Crown is a community that is designed to support women who desire to step into the abundance that awaits them. And we know that right now is the time to manifest our visions and realize our dreams and accomplish our goals. Respect My Crown is a support system that encourages women to deepen in spirituality, sisterhood, accountability, and service. This amazing woman who is joining us for today's podcast. I had the pleasure of meeting in Atlanta, Georgia, believe it or not, at the gas station, <laughs> right next to the school where our daughters were attending at the time. And a few weeks prior to meeting her, I had experienced a little trauma and I was talking to her about it and she was walking me through it and I felt so much comfort after our conversation. And then she tells me she's a life coach and a psychotherapist and I said, oh, she really knows what she's doing for real, for real. <laughs> she is an incredible mom. Uh, she's definitely made me step up my game as a mother. Uh, she is a child advocate and entrepreneur. She's a motivational speaker. Uh, she also serves as executive director of Big Boys, Big Kids Foundation. Um, she is the author of 14 Ways to Find Your Amazing When Passion and Purpose Collide. Most likely you have seen this woman on television, BET, Centric, Aspire. Maybe you've even checked out her own podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have her to join us with us today. Welcome Jennifer Lester to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited for you having me today. I'm happy, happy, happy about it. How are you? I am doing great. Listen, I thought I had a lot of jobs, but man, <laughs> you are quite a busy mom. Uh, what what work are you most passionate about? You know, I am most passionate about, a lot of people don't know this because this isn't listed on there, but my company, I have a private practice based in Atlanta. Um, so I see clients in my, in my practice, but my company, The Purpose Project, um, has a mental health consulting component, and I provide mental health services for children with social-emotional needs of birth through eight years old throughout this entire state of Georgia, along with have about 15 other uh, team members that are on my team that helps provide that. And a lot of people don't know that um, because Head Start was an area that I started in very early uh, ago. In fact, uh, when we get into talking about my book, the actual 14 comes from working 14 years in a Head Start and understanding the um, about the um, how early education affects the lives of children and really giving kids a head start and understanding about the social-emotional part of it early on. If they can learn how to be self-regulated kids, then they can really be productive adults. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Gosh. You know, um, we do some similar work. Um, we have some similar passions, I should say. You know, we want to see the world a better place. We understand that it begins with the kids, you know, that they deserve to have a life outside of what they may be currently experiencing and that they don't have to be, um, become, you know, their circumstances. And it's, I'm just always so grateful to meet people who believe in change and who are really doing the work to make that change. Uh, today we're talking about fighting our fears and, and overcoming our, our inner critic, um, I found that it's easier to help people when you have, ex have a shared experience or um, you can empathize, right, with some of their situations. Absolutely. 
what is a fear that you've had to fight in your life and how were you able to beat it? You know, the number one fear is public speaking. I have had no problems. I've been talking. I think I came out talking. In fact, my dad taught me when I was little, I hope you make some money running your mouth because you talk so much. So that was never <laughs> one of mine. But I think um, I think overcoming one of the fears is that I made a decision after I had worked for a company for 14 years to uh, decide to leave. Now, I wasn't in a place where you know how, um, oh, oh, God, the company's changed or this is a terrible fit for me. It was very um, – it was a very much fulfilling job working with children and families, but it was something about um, I knew I had to leave because if I didn't leave in that moment, I felt like I would mess up the natural order of the universe. And we all face with that sometimes when we know we need to make a decision and we need to take that leap of faith, but then it's fear that holds us back from doing that. And it's fear that, hey, what if this doesn't work? Our fear of um, what if I don't know everything I need to know or someone maybe uh, like, oh, she left. So made a decision to leave the company after working for them for 14 years. And I remember telling uh, two two things of fear happened for me. I remember telling uh, my family and friends, and they was like, oh, you're going to leave that good job. This good job. You're going to leave that good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I had to trust me, so I decided, like, I'm leaving. So I started preparing myself to be able to leave uh, the job. And then you got a little bit of fear because you start thinking, like, okay, what's my backup plan? Or what if I need this? Or what if I do this? And sometimes the things that you don't get are the best thing that ever happened to you because when I left the company, I decided I tried I applied for a um, – when I was leaving the company, they had a contract position, which was very similar to the work uh, the work that I was doing, as I said before, with the mental health consultant. But they didn't want to hire me as a contractor, but there was already a contractor that was doing similar that did not have the qualification. Plus, I had the years of experience with the job. So I did a fantastic proposal. Um, they didn't use my – they didn't accept my proposal or accept me for it. They used components of my proposal, but they didn't. Hmm. But it was the best thing that never I never got because I would have never known what I could do. And so as I left yeah. that, the fear, so I'm always about confronting the fear, realizing what's driving that fear. So I kept that, what was driving the fear was that what happens if? But then I, I, I had more reason of, oh, but what happens if? If this does happen. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I took that leap of faith in spite of everybody thinking like, oh, this is such a good job, or you can stay here, you can do this, you can move around. Took the leap of faith, and it was 14. So the, my book is 14 Ways to Find Your Amazing. 14 is like the number seven twice completion. So it was really um, a, a spiritual walk for me to be able to say, hey, I'm going to take this leap of faith. I would have not known if my wings really worked had I not leaped. And it ended up working out for me because after I left the job in February, I'm sorry, let me say this. I resigned from the job on February 14, 2014, and that was the actual anniversary date of my job when I started working there in February 2014, (laughs) on the 14th, 2014, 14 years. Exactly. I don't know know how many y'all believe in numbers, but I did. Something about that was the universe saying, hey, it's okay. And so um, so when I left, I did leave, and I started looking, and so that was 14, and you had, of course, it was a struggle. But by 2015, that was March of 2014, and I really left. By 2015, in February, in March that year, I had made what they had paid me in a year. I would have never known what I could do without confronting that fear, without overcoming that fear, without taking a leap of faith. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know, some people um, 
you know, we, we worry about the unknown, right? So there, I can just imagine, you know, even when I quit my job a few years ago, so many people left messages, you know, I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't want to tell people to well, quit, you know, cause I don't know right. what, what, what their situation is or, or what, you know, what's their destiny. But um, I just realized that people are more worried about the unknown, what could happen, you know? And it's like, what if we just shifted our, our mindset to focus on abundance, you know, that instead of worrying so much, what if we just said, you know what, it's going to be okay. It's going to be better than okay. You're absolutely right with the tricks on your mind because you're only born with two fears, which is a fear of loud noises and a fear of falling. Everything else you learn. Are you serious? Only two fears in life. Fear of falling and the fear of loud noise is everything else you learn. So if you can learn it, you can unlearn it. I didn't even know that. When you look at the women who come in and sit with you for your sessions, what are some of the biggest fears that you see them trying to overcome? You know what? Some of the biggest fears are, are, are worrying about what how other people think. And Ooh. we become, and they're, they're the biggest fears because we do a lot of things. I had a client. Um, that was an ER doctor, and she didn't want to be an ER doctor. She wanted to be IT. Wow, really? She wanted to be an IT. Uh-huh. And I asked, and I told her, I said, you never wanted to be in any race. And she looked, and I don't think she's ever heard that from someone. And But because of a cultural background for her, uh, she was from, like, the West Indies, and family thought, like, if you're in the medical field, you'll never not need it. You won't all, you'll always be able to work. You won't ever be looking for a job. But it wasn't what uh, her passion. It wasn't what thrived. It made money. Uh, for her. And so we talk about the voices on the outside when they're louder than your voices from the inside. And, and really they talk about you've mastered life. They say the mastery of life is that when the voices on the inside become louder than the voices on the outside, you master life. But so often uh, we don't know what our own voice sounds like because it's flooded from the voices of media, social media, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, from your parents, from outside sources, from news people. And so we don't really even know what our own voice sounds like. And so it is the outside, those external forces that causes the most fear. Well, what are they going to say about me? Or what are they going to think about me? And um, in my book, I talk a lot, I say a lot of culture. My dad, my dad was a good old southern man, country man, but he had, he was so smart. Um, he only had about a ninth or 10th grade education, but he was so smart in terms of what he knew. And he would talk about 50% of the people glad it ain't them and the other 50, they don't even care. And so once I realized that they were going to talk about me either way, either way, yeah. Oh, Jason, she left her job. Yeah. Oh, well, we, oh, she stayed on the job too long. So either way, so then I decided the voice that matters the most was mine. And so when you get to that place where you can decide that voice, you can listen. But um, those clients, that's, that's what they come in. They they become um, enslaved, a hostage to what other people are saying about them or what they think other people will say about oh. them. Oof. You know, I've said this a long time ago. Um, because of the industry that I've worked in, it's always been about what people thought, right? Uh-huh. Rating, television, TV, or um, radio. It's just always been about what people think. They want to be validated every single day yeah. on social media. And it's it's so tough because it seems like now we really live in a world where everyone is worried about what people think. 
and they're not taking away that you don't want to put your 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 best foot forward, right? So you want to put your right. best foot forward, all things you do. But if you were driven, you think about if you were on Instagram and there were no life, I wonder how many people post would change. What you post would change. Uh-oh. Yeah. If you yeah. thought about, you hey, there are no life. I don't. I, nobody gives any life. I get to post what I want. Then what drives you? Am I posting this? Because because let me tell you this. When you begin to be a mastery of your life, say either you're the slave or you're the master of your life, and how you know the difference between the two is that you can do the same thing. I do this Respect My Crown podcast because I want to. I enjoy it. I love it. Or I do this podcast because I have to. I got to I gotta feed my baby. I got to yeah, I gotta try to get there. I got to stay relevant. I got to stay this. Then you're the slave. Same thing. I do it because I want to. I'm the master. I do it because I have to. I become the slave of it. And so for me, when I begin, when I begin to look at a lot of people and they're saying, uh, particularly for leaving their job, is that I, I come here every day because I got to pay these bills. I got to feed this baby. I have to do this. I am the slave of I come because I really enjoy whatever they feed me. Now, the money, you want the money now. I'm not taking away that that's not important. But why I do it, the why I do it, uh, tells right. you if you're the slave or you're the master of your life. And then what keeps you there is the fear. So then if you're the slave, fear leads you instead of love leaving you, leading you. So if fear leads you, fear says that I'm not going to speak up when things are wrong because I don't want to get in trouble. I'm not going to say that because I don't want them to fire me or write me up. I need this job. And so not only am I enslaved, I, I got to, but the fear leads my action instead of love right. leading it. That's so good. Oh, that's good. Because fear is getting in the way of us achieving our goals and living the life that we really deserve to live. What is one tool, I guess, that you feel people need to know? What's the one thing you're like, if we could just do this? It it leads back to love. So the opposite of fear, I guess, would be hope, right? And so if you can, if you can have hope and hope, and I tell people this all the time, is that having that hope, and so if you can have hope, then hope is nothing but love. And people always ask me, okay, well, I got, how do I get hope then? Or where do I get that from? Hope is love. It is simply love. Yeah. And it, when you begin to add more love to your life, and you add more love through gratitude. And so I created this thing um, called an amazing model. And it is a model of how to live your life, how to create this amazing life. But the model has vision, preparation, faith, and gratitude in it. And in the middle of that, amazing things begin to happen. But either way, you can start. So I don't care what the client's socioeconomic background, how their status in life. I start with gratitude. And it's a simple way to begin to add more love in your life. And so it helps you to overcome fear because light and darkness can't exist in the same place. Hope and fear cannot either. The fear comes because it's hopelessness. It's a place of hopelessness that shows up there. And so that's, that's kind of one of the biggest tools and the first tool that you'll start with. Maybe about 10 years ago, I was coming out of this abusive relationship and, and somebody gave me this book um, called Magic. And it's basically a 28-day gratitude challenge. And um, it changed my entire life because every day, all throughout the day, you're focused on gratitude and you're focusing on the small things that you just take for granted every day. And I just didn't realize how much of a shift can take place when you are really diving into gratitude. And I love that you mentioned that because 
you're right. When you see how hope and love and gratitude all connect, um, there, there isn't a space for anything else. And I think that that's what it is. It's just, and it's a, it's, um, it's a habit you have to build though, right? It, it, it really, I can do it with ease because I've been practicing it for a long time. And so when I, um, when you come in and you're trying to tell someone this, they can find everything. I had this one client challenge me this year. She, she couldn't find uh, anything to be grateful for. And so I did a little exercise. I said, well, give me all your regrets. So we talked about regrets. Then I had her to change regret into lessons. Okay, what lessons did you learn? And then from the lessons did you learn, so what can you give some gratitude to? And one of the things, she was going through a divorce, and her husband was this huge business uh, man here in Atlanta. And it was a nasty, bitter divorce. And she she used to be just kind of, she used to be an education, making for kind of a home mom, but she learned to be a business. And she runs a huge, big business now. And I asked her, I said, how did you learn to do this? She said, I'll hang it around. So she just did conversation. He taught me to do that. And I watched him. So I said, then the gratitude and the love that you give is you can create generational wealth on your own now because he's giving you a life class about business. Even if the love didn't work out, the relationship, you would have never had that without him. So for that, you give thanks to, you give gratitude and you yeah. get love for and she never that's thought so that she could say, I can't think of anything to give love for him. I don't love it. That's it. That's it. I don't can't be thankful for anything about the relationship. But if you can think, I call it hunting the good. So if you can hunt the good, you can find a nugget, golden nuggets in anything, little nuggets in anything to give thanks to. And it will shift yeah. and change your life. Yes, yes. Let's talk a little bit about the the inner critic. Um, first off, can you just break down what it is and how it shows up in our lives? So the inner critic is that um, the little voice in the background. You know how you used to see like the, the devil will pop up on in those cartoons where the devil pops up on one shoulder and the angel pops up on the other. So the <laughs> inner critic, it, it, it lies within you and it tells you that maybe you're not pretty enough or you're not good enough or no one will ever uh, listen to you or who's going to buy that uh, product for you or somebody's going to buy that book from you or if you leave this job here, uh, you're not going to be able to make it because you haven't made it before. And so it's that negative little voice, but it's your own voice this time. So it's not the voices from the outside. It's your own voice that comes and perhaps it reminds you of things that, that have been not been successful from your past or some of the things that you haven't uh, been able to do before. And so the inner critic comes in, and it shows up, and it whispers to you. And sometimes you believe it. And so here's the other piece, and when you're combating that inner critic, is that you have to be able to challenge it. And some of the things that the inner critic tells you is right. It reminds you, of, hey, you remember that time you tried to do this? You failed before. What is that? You don't live that anymore. And I always, I'm good to say, oh, I don't live in that house anymore. Or I don't wear those clothes anymore. No, you know, kind of joking, but because it would have been something that happened before, but it reminds you. But it almost paralyzes you, and it throws that fear back in, too, against you, because it remembers, it tells you, it reminds you of who you aren't. But what you do is that you kind of remind yourself of who you are, who you can be. And we speak to ourselves more than anybody else in the world why wouldn't you make what you say to yourself positive? Right. You know, I found it um, very interesting as a person who was a speaker and who has dedicated their life to empowering others, how much work still needs to be done with me. And yes. um, 
over the past few years, I've had mentors and therapists and friends and spiritual leaders all tell me you are still battling not feeling that you are good enough. Hmm. And I've seen it play out where I will back away from certain tables that I've been invited to sit because I don't feel that I measure up to the people who are sitting at that table. And sometimes it may look like for me, um, you know, I won't submit for a certain job or opportunity because I don't feel that, you know, well, I'm not as great as a speaker as the last five people that they've had, you know, speak. And, and there's nothing that has proven that at all. Those thoughts, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when I go and I speak and I hear people um, give me their feedback on my messages, it's never been anything bad. So, but it's just all, I've just created it all in my head. And I can imagine that there are women who are listening right now where you don't even realize that you're self-sabotaging because of this inner critic. But what can we do, I guess, to, to assess the inner critic, to find out what it is that we are saying to ourselves and then create a plan? What, one of the plans is um, having your positive affirmation. And so one of the, and, and I am very big on that, Jay, is being very um, specific in your affirmation. I don't think the universe answers half-hearted, please. So being very yeah. specific. So when you're in, you, you know, you do the generic one, you're beautiful, you're cute, and you're smart, and you I'm right. very, very specific in there, in my, uh, in my, in my, and it's specific to me. So the universe saying, oh, and who is she talking to? I'm talking specifically to me. But that's a good way to start. And so I'm not talking if you're starting off with affirmation and you're new to it. But one of the uh, tasks that I'll give someone, let's do, so do a positive affirmation. I may start, my change, I may start, um, I've never lost her alone. The same force that guides the universe also guides me. I'm supposed to be successful because my success inspires others. I, I'm never uh, never alone. Faith follow me and chasing me, hunt me, and no matter where I should go, love will always find me. My that's the basis of my I add things here and there for my being a money maggie to get help. But what I do know is that love always finds me. Wherever I go, I don't care whether I'm in Atlanta or Houston or Bermuda, love finds me. And the love finds me in a way of people doing acts of kindness for me. If folks just showing up or people doing things, it finds me. And here's the other piece is that when you're very specific with the affirmation, it's something you begin to believe because it's tailored just for you. Yes. So it's come back yes. to inner critic. It's almost a light and darkness can't exist. So I can't talk about how bad I am with myself and still talking about how beautiful I'm worthy of love. And love finds me, or a money magnet. People are speaking about me in rooms that I have not entered yet. Those, all of those things, you're very specific for them. And before my feet hit the ground in the morning, that's what I talk and tell myself. Ideally, you think about this though. Good and bad things are happening to us all around every day. Positive and negative things are happening to us all the time. It's what you choose to focus on. You think about this. Um, I, I used to drive a um, a. a X5 BMW with a truck. And let me, before I got it, after I got it, I started seeing them everywhere. There's a black one, there's a white one, there's a gray one, there's a black one with KNC, there's this one everywhere. But it wasn't that they got all got these cars because that's what I was driving. They've always been there, is what I tend to focus on. So when you change yeah. what you look at, what you see will change. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so good. You're so right all, about that. Yes. All you have to do is change it. And so when you change what you look at, what you what you see, what, what begins to change. So I start. So you switch the frequency, and so I said, my focus is not on the negative things that they're happening to me. Probably at an equal rate as the positive things are. I only see the positive things, and they attract more of that to me. I want people to to pick up your book, uh, Fourteen Ways to Find Your Amazing When Passion and Purpose Collide. Uh, where can they pick up your book? Amazon. Barnes and Noble online, all of that, or they can visit my website, um, which is the Purpose Project, which is my company. That's thepurposeproject.com. Recently found out somebody had a .org. I was like, hey, but it's .com. Or you can um, uh, visit the book's website, which is findingyouramazing.com. Um, Jennifer, I always ask my guests before they leave to give an affirmation. What What is yours today? I am enough. Enough has came up to me thinking that today. I'm, I'm enough. I am enough. More than enough. I am more than enough. People can follow you on social media as well. How can they get in contact with you? So on social media, yeah, I'm Jennifer Lester. I'm Jennifer Lester on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. On Facebook, I'm also The Purpose Project. And so they can get in contact with me any of those ways. Visit my website at thepurposeproject.com. I work with people all over. Yes, y'all, listen, in 2020, y'all been sitting around talking about you need some help. And and I just, you know, talking to your girlfriends is great. And, um, and I'm inspired by my friends. But there is nothing like having a session with somebody who can really give you exactly what you need and help you to create a great plan for um, your mental health. And we got to put that first this year, y'all. This isn't this isn't a game. We're losing too many people. We are um, not dealing with our traumas. You know, um, recently yeah. Kobe Bryant passed away, and and I don't think people realize how many people are traumatized just by being on Instagram. You know, and we got to be able to work through those feelings and those emotions and having wonderful people like uh, Jennifer Lester who have those tools to do it. Um, it's just really needed. And so I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, you have blessed us with this, with this podcast. I'm going to have to listen thank to you. this a couple of times and get my notes in. <laughs> Absolutely. I thank you so much for having me and creating this platform for sisterhood and accountability. It's such a great platform. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that we were able to, to meet. I just want to leave with this because when I moved to Atlanta, um, I moved there for a job that didn't happen <laughs> and it was so traumatizing and it's so interesting how God has shown me after a year now, um, you know, when you say po focusing on the positive and being grateful and I just, um, I look back at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, now I see what it is. I mean, I would never have met you if, um, if I, if that situation didn't happen and uh, you've been such a great person to my daughter and uh, um, Jennifer's daughter and my daughter are good friends. And you've just really blessed me. And I can't even thank you enough. And I'm just so grateful that that crazy job happened. <laughs> I'm so, so because we would have never, it was intense. It was supposed to be exactly how it was uh, to be asked. Sure when was. I tell you, 
that I am glad and your daughter is part that's she's part of our family. I'm trying to take her, adopt her, love her. She's part of the yeah. family. She has her own room. Yes, I love her. <laughs> Only in those simple terms, like I said, she said she isn't really too quick to be close friends with everybody. Anybody really close? So when she said, I said, really, love her, and so it had apple don't yeah. fall far from the tree. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Jennifer. You have a beautiful day, and right. I want to thank all the ladies for tuning in today to Respect My Crown, the podcast.